With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code Andy's Girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and 
looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Way's anti-frizz cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Way's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. A quick programming note before AG201. The initial audio file for AG200 was, as some of you may have discovered, unfortunately, morally corrupted. The episode export uh, was done by Team Danielle, I suppose. If you have any trouble listening to the replacement file uh, for AG200 as the file was replaced within hours of posting, simply log out of your apps and log back in. If you had the original app downloaded, remove the download and download again and enjoy the excellent audio for an episode that means an awful lot for this OG of the AG. 200 is a very big moment and mark in um, a podcast journey, and it was honestly a little bit devastating when uh, I discovered that the file uh, fired itself, much like Adrian Maloof. It did not show up. Its last duty as an audiophile was showing up. Uh, Also, during this week's conversation, which you're about to hear and enjoy, we discuss and deep dive Jen Shaw's behavior on the Salt Lake City reunion, triggers, and amplifying Jen's perspective as a woman of color. Following our recording, I participated in an excellent weekly panel on Clubhouse moderated by Dave Quinn, which featured reactions to Jen's reunion dynamics by several Black Bravoholics. It was absolutely a mind opener with powerful perspectives, incredibly clarifying, and something I really look forward to unpacking on next week's app. As you know, the mantra of Andy's girls is normalize changing your mind based on new information. And now here is a very deep dive with the incredible Lara Marie Shane Halls. Now, Team Danielle, keep the audio intact. Enjoy. I may not drink liquor, but I love to get a shot. People are like candles. I can light them up or I can snuff them right out. (laughs) (laughs) I just got shades of rent and I was like very excited. (laughs) Is that a rent thing? Are candles like a rent thing? shit what's her face oh, okay was singing to what's his face and then they fell in love and then it worked out and everybody lived happily ever after true and true okay there. i'm not a super i'm not a rent head so uh, i'm just like a scented candle aficionado so i felt like tying my love for candles into my tagline 
but I love that it can it's it's cross-platform into musical territory. We're firing on all cylinders. There's a lot of synergistic possibilities inherent in your tagline, and I appreciate that journey for you as someone who does not personally light candles because of a grilled-into-me uh, order decree by my parents when I was younger that I would essentially, if they saw me lighting a candle, they would just kill me in advance of the house burning down. So I haven't, mm-hmm. as an adult, lit candles, although I have owned them because I like the exterior. But I, you know, rent, I mean, that's, I lost at least 20% of my hearing ability from listening to rent <laughs> on a CD-ROM at like the volume went to one to 10 and I listened to it on about 73, um, the best. So you guys. Well, I'm glad it appeals. <laughs> it totally appealed. And to talk about this week's guest, I mean, appealing doesn't even begin to put an appropriate word on how excited I am to talk to writer, performer, host of a podcast portfolio you all know, including Saving Sex in the City 3, and of course, Sexy Unique Podcast. Guys, it's none other than Lara, did I fuck it up, Marie Shane Halls. Lara. I accept Lara. Lara. I accept Lara and Lara, but I don't accept Laura. So you are fine. I have said your name so many times listening to you on your pod, other podcasts, saying it in my own head. And I knew, I knew I would fuck it up. And so my day's kind of already gone, done. Like check the, <laughs> check the box. I've done it. It was on my to-do list. Fuck up. <laughs> Fuck up Lara's name. I did it. Lara, Laura, no. Mm -mm. Larza, Larsa. 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 Okay, I take, I have a little beef with Larsa Marie Pippin because I've been going by. (laughs) Yes, because I've been going by (laughs) Lars Marie on social media forever. And then now she's coming she's out with like a jewelry line and she's reappropriated her middle name of Marie which is obviously like everyone's middle name Mm. but I see billboards everywhere that say Larsa Marie and then I think it's me having a billboard or a jewelry line but it's really just like Larsa Pippen so I don't know why she pivoted I mean obviously it's a powerful name combination I would know but Mm -hmm. it's um you know I have a little chip on my shoulder about it did you watch Miami? Did you watch Larsa? I didn't, but isn't it, Neither isn't it coming she, back? Sort of. Yeah, it's coming back. They're doing a redo of on Miami Peacock or something? on Peacock, which I am, I got to tell you, 100% what down. Is pe- okay. It's Are like, you a Peacocker? I am an accidental Peacocker because I think I wanted to watch like AP Bio and it was exclusive on Peacock. And so it's, I mean, there is a paid, there's a premium level, which I'm not going to do, you know, like Mm -hmm. save, save that for other stuff. Um, But the free, it's great. I mean, like, it's great. You know, um, is that what the flight attendant is on now that I'm saying this out loud? No, flight attendant is on HBO Max. Right. Which I also love. Will eventually lead me to Peacock is the Vanderpump Dogs show. Because okay. remember, didn't wow. that, was it last year that someone said that that was announced that that was going to happen? There were rumors for a while and then some sort of announcement and then photos leaking of, I don't know, a fucking dog posing for a camera for a little doggy confessional. 
I need a Vanderpump dog. But I mean, I don't want like dog confessionals. I want like the drama of the people that work there because I do believe that that could be like a real untapped mine of psychosis. So I just feel like, is that happening? I mean, your readers probably have intel as well. So. We need to we need AGs, to get boots on the fucking know. ground. We need, we need boots <laughs> on the ground, bitches. Get your sesh together and let us know what's happening with Vanderbilt Dogs. I I am so intrigued and inspired by your excitement for Vanderpump Dogs. Or I mean, it's dedication really based- to watching it. Yeah, like it's it's based on a a need for some kind of dysfunctional mm-hmm. Vanderpump employee behavior. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like John Sessa and the <laughs> other John are truly Pringle ghoulish demons. Yeah. yeah, that I need. I need to see them. Like I hate. I can't remember which one I hate, but I like hate to love him, love to hate him, kind of hate, and I just need to see him torching people's lives on tv like i really do miss there's not a lot of shows that capture that kind of dysfunction right now mm-hmm. so and tbd if like vpr is ever gonna come back I mean, it yeah. seems like From, we have left that one in the dust it's in so, production yeah purgatory. so like vanderpump dogs is what i'm like staking all my hopes and dreams on john sessa God, is he I, the one with the bowl cut? Like the evil, the evil one with the bowl cut that like I think that's aired out Dorit. So Blizzard is John Blizzard. Cut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Blizzard um is bowl cut, and then evil doctor. But not like, guys, I don't mean like evil, literally. Spiritually wild. Spiritually bereft. Spiritually bereft is Dr. John, (laughs) who got his doctorate in like having fun, I think. I don't think he Mm -hmm. had anything to do with veterinary medicine, which is what one would be led to think because Mm -hmm. he's working for a dog foundation seemingly has a lot of insight into dog stuff and god bless him because you know what they did with the like dog festival situation etc like mazel great long time dog person but um they don't call me a bitch for nothing but Mm -hmm. i it's a little there's like a little bit of a question mark there for john sessa and me yeah i mean it's all a question mark but i need it I need to see. Yeah. And I just miss, I miss Lisa's clear like tax havens that she's created in these (laughs) restaurants, which I truly believe are just like ways that she launders money and (gasps) puts it on TV just like brazenly. So I need her to do that. And like, I don't, is her show on E yet? I don't really care about that. I don't want to see her like dining with people. With Steve O. It's wonderful. I'm That's so pretty ex- cool. That is pretty but, like, cool. Yeah. And I think she does have cool guests on her podcast and stuff, but I'm really like the PR reboot of Lisa Vanderpump post Housewives. I'm like, no, no I want dysfunction. Or if you're going to give me the reboot, I also want like you got to even it out. Lisa's also one of those OG housewives. I was talking about this with some AGs last night because we did a Zoom kiki for uh, Patreon AGs. And 
you know, like who would you put on the Mount Rushmore of housewives? You know, like who are the housewives that regardless of how you personally feel about them, which is a whole other fucking dynamic, who are the people when you think of like who helped create this thing that has recreated itself over and over again? And who are the people that when you think of real housewives, you think of them like four or five names? Vicky Gunvalson. You would. Yeah. Okay. Yep. A hundred percent. Probably Lisa, if we're being honest. Uh, that's that's my point. I think she's on the Mount Rushmore. And she would be mm-hmm. there with Nene, Vicky. I would say Bethany. Yeah, Bethany or Luann or Ramona. I mean, Ramona. God oh. bless her, but she's a horrible person, but an OG housewife from the jump. And her lack of character is consistent. And I love that journey for her. Like she's Mm -hmm. never been great. And then because of attention became like a monster behind the scenes. Like she has always been her. Ramona's like radically herself. Ramona's radically Ramona. You know, for that we can all appreciate. Mm -hmm. May we all be just authentically ourselves. (laughs) Hashtag true faith. (laughs) That's the renewal that I'd love to see. Um, And you know. Bethany, though, yeah, I could see Bethany on there. Mm -hmm. And gotta say, Teresa. Oh, my God. Yeah, how could we for fucking get? We need her on Mount Rushmore. I mean, she's given us felonies. She Mm -hmm. has given us pasta dishes and fabellini and, you know, giving birth, essentially, on camera. Like, those beautiful girls, that crazy... the family she destroyed her family for us Mm -hmm. she's a housewives pioneer she is she's sacrificed a lot for our enjoyment Wednesday or whatever and I um I love it for her um so you haven't watched I don't even know if the dinner thing has come out yet I don't think it has with LVP dinner with LVP getting dinner with LVP yeah I don't I haven't watched it I've kept up like lightly with her podcast guests though I haven't listened to an Mm -hmm. episode but I just saw I was like oh she's having like truly interesting people that I would want to hear their thoughts and opinions and Mm -hmm. see what their vibe is together Mm -hmm. on the pod so I'm like mazel to her for that Mm -hmm. but I just also I just can't help but think that she's shady And she gets away with being really fucking shady. I think she does. I think even when the plot of an entire season is like Lisa's really shady, I think she got away with that. Totally. She knows exactly how to just scoot out of the situation, do a pivot. And and, I mean, it's masterful. I have a lot of respect for it. But I think a lot of people get left in the dust specifically like I'm thinking of like her restaurant employees Mm -hmm. uh, and her restaurants have not been open like Mm -hmm. I think maybe sir is open now for takeout but like who the fuck is getting takeout from (laughs) sir yeah like if any restaurant could have been open for takeout it should have been tom tom because they could have done to go cocktails like they had the (gasps) best food Yeah, and, like, little to-go, like, cauliflower, like, buffalo wings, my favorite dish on the menu. Mm. And they had the kind of perfect setup on Santa Monica Boulevard where you could check in, get the food. And so I don't understand this, like, restaurant closure. I think it's – I think she's really sketchy. But I think she knows how to present, like, a victim, but 
also just like re- I don't know she's just a genius in a lot of ways she's an evil genius she is and you know I said something about her on a recent podcast and heard from an AG who kind of pushed back a little on what I was saying which was uh, similar to your perspective and and they said okay but like were the people when it was team LVP versus everybody else were they really sensitive to the dynamics and the stuff that she was going on with her family and my feeling on that is like it is t- a terrible tragedy what she had to go to and I can't imagine how she was struggling which is unrelated to 10 years or whatever of her behavior where she had yeah. I mean there was released never before seen footage of her interacting with Camille after the infamous tea and saying things about the fact that she was like nudging people behind the scenes to say stuff and I don't know how much of her leaving had to go, you know, and her quitting mid-production had to deal with genuine stress and potential anxiety and depression relating to, not to, like, you know, um, uh, put a word on it. I'm not her medical team, but, like, relating to what she was going through. There's that. And there's also the idea that Lisa has been invaluable to the franchise but she has also been like crafty AF, which good for her and being so good at this. But sometimes there's a pop quiz and you may have passed the prior 10 tests, but this is the exam that you might not pass as well. And I feel like that's what happened with Puppygate and Radar and everything else is like all this shit that she used to be able to do or used to be able to get away with sort of caught up with her and I feel like it wasn't even so much that she was messy or sloppy as much as it was like if you weigh the percentage and the likelihood that ultimately opinion is going to change about consistent behavior I feel like that was the time totally it's like the big Lebowski when he said sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes the bar eats you it's like her number was up and it was it that's just how it goes on housewives and the tides turn and you take the L and you like own it baby as Lisa Rinna would say <laughs> and then you move on and you have a whole nother season to either redeem yourself or like lean into it it's mm-hmm. like it's part of the package and I really feel like I have a lot of empathy for what she was going through in her personal life and I'm sure that did factor into her decision somewhat but totally. like I think from a just professional perspective, you robbed the audience. Like you tapped out at an essential time for the audience where they would want you to be tapped in and Mm -hmm. like see that's like part of what you signed up to do. Mm -hmm. And like other people have had deaths. I mean, like Taylor Armstrong's husband died of suicide. So like we didn't see her going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I just it's complicated and I feel for her. But at the same time, I'm like, I really wanted I wanted her to be at the reunion. I wanted to see like what she had to say for herself. And I think she just knew that, like, she's not willing to look bad. Um, I 100 percent agree. And I think that she is a very unique person with unique value. And a part of that uniqueness is her complete, seemingly complete refusal to take responsibility for actions that she thinks, as you said, will make her look bad. Like, I think that's 
consistent across her time on Housewives. And then you look at her success with Vanderpump Rules, which is entirely her work in the sense that these are people who worked for her. If I'm under like she she pitched the show. It was very specific to a group of people. It's called Vanderpump Rules. It wouldn't have existed without her. And yet I think like what is her value to that show now? I think the show Mm -hmm. still has a lot of value, but is she as necessary to it as she sort of like biologically was when it was actually created? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think so. I think that that show started to it. She no longer benefited any of the narratives of the show. Like mm-hmm. these are now grown people, many of whom stopped working for her and were like doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. So unless they are just naturally close with her, like James Kennedy, mm-hmm. it's like there's no reason for them to be going to seek her out for advice or whatever. Like and I don't think that. I don't think that she likes that. I really don't think that she, I think she wants to be in the power seat at Mm -hmm. all times. And if other people are rising up past her level, it's not going to work for her. And there was a power structure that made a lot of sense for a while. It was like she Mm -hmm. was there. These were people who owed their careers to her, whether it was the fact that she employed them at a restaurant or, you know, a place that serves food that calls itself a restaurant, restaurant bar. Um, or, you know, when they came into the actual success as VPR took off, it's like she's the EP or an EP. She's creator. She's the star. She's the person who's in a huge power role on Beverly Hills. Like there was an understandable like the beating pulse of the fact that you don't want to necessarily piss off Lisa. That made a lot of sense. It actually also added a different kind of tension than existed between Stassi and Kristen or like Jackson to Tom or something and it just so happens that as those people became more valuable and crucial to the dynamics of the show and as stuff started to happen on BH that maybe didn't necessarily show her in the best light like not even as a person but as a non-participant that has an effect on her other show. You know, it has, it mm-hmm. just has a, like a natural, there's a natural connection. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, do you think that VPR is genuinely going to come back? And if so, do you think it will be called VPR? Could it go into a Tom Tom era? What are your thoughts? I actually like have no idea, but mm-hmm. as you were talking, I was thinking like it is so classic Lisa to like, I mean, VPR, they have a lot to figure out to like mm-hmm. a rehab, just it, their image as a show mm-hmm. and like right the wrongs of the past mm-hmm. and then also create, it's a hard line because they need to create a more like inclusive environment while mm-hmm. also fostering like deep dysfunction and like messiness, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't know how to do that. So it makes sense to me that as soon as Lisa realized like this brand is like kind of torched, yeah, so I'm going to go over here. I- mm-hmm. I'm going to pivot. This is now dining with Lisa Vanderpump. Mm-hmm. And like I'm getting out and saving myself. I'm jumping ship. And then these people can figure it out. And I think 
ultimately it's interesting because I do think a lot of, I mean, I just don't understand how some of these people can like pay their mortgages and their bills like after a few years. Like, I don't know what they're going to do for their livelihood, but I think that that is like, that strikes me as a very Lisa thing to just like Mm -hmm. get the hell out and pivot and save herself and leave others in the dust. I mean, the wild thing with the, you know, and I don't, being a restaurateur is a difficult, you know, profession to exist in, but she has, as evidenced by Villa Rosa, done spectacularly well for herself. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't a normal restaurants are suffering, which obviously they are. This is like a very different dynamic with a woman who has seemingly an abundance of wealth and access to money. And you still want to make good professional decisions. But it was fascinating to me that allegedly her staff wasn't being paid during like the height of COVID when there are people doing far less success than her restaurants or other companies who are who tried as much as they possibly could even for like a couple weeks which is a that is a huge lifesaver to people living paycheck to paycheck and it didn't seem that she was offering that same kind of support to her staff which I was like Lisa even for the PR of it (laughs) I know it really it really raised my eyebrows like Mm -hmm. I and from my knowledge it was like she just texted everyone or there was like a group text or it was like the restaurants are closed and there was no follow-up info about any sort of like support payment and then we saw like the toms raising money Mm -hmm. on cameo to like help out the staff but it's also just like you're sketchy as hell for that and I really think that I really think that she cares about number one and then animals and then everyone else kind of is secondary to that. And she keeps people around her that will make her look good at all mm-hmm. times. And mm-hmm. it's all just like image based pink fluffy dogs and flowers. And I don't think that it's like genuine. I think the Toms raised like tens of thousands of I might be getting that completely wrong, but I feel like they raised they like, raised like a chunk of change. Right? Yeah. It was like a nice and they charged whatever they charged. And from what I heard about it, they were like, the videos were all super fun. And I think they were like together and maybe there were costumes or something. I forget if Lisa had done that, if she had done like 500 bucks a cameo, people would have bought that shit. Like she would have sold mm-hmm. out whatever time slots and could have given that to some sort of employee fund. I mean, that that's not asking a lot of someone whose staff has seemingly sacrificed a lot and have to deal with like, how are we going to survive in this thing? And also like, what is our, what's the financial support coming our way? You know, like where's the bonus of being a wonderful employee or like working at Sir and not being the one on camera, (laughs) which is like a Mm -hmm. a whole other, how does that work when like one of the cast members? Why is you're making the wrong decisions in life and you just had to learn that the hard way, but I mean like, why is she not in the dining room? Like she doesn't really work there anymore. And these people are like, wait, but that's my table. Why are there cameras here right now? Um, yeah, my God. When do you think an announcement's going to come out about VPR? I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I guess it's also just bizarre that it's predicated on these restaurants. I mean, I guess I understand mm-hmm. like 
the rest one at least tom tom might have to be open or Mm -hmm. in order to follow the toms but like no one really works at sir anymore no one really works at pump that's on the show and then i i just truly don't know i mean i also don't know what a show can look like like where is the organic friend group Mm -hmm. without these people that were all fired that I mean, we're awful people, but mm-hmm. also we're Who's kind left? of linchpins of the show that mm-hmm. holding various like groups and grudges together. I mean, I think that they were the archetypes. So it's like the reason yeah. that BPR took off, obviously Lisa's name and the value of her brand was instrumental, but it was also like very specific to a very specific group of friends. Like these people mm-hmm. were so wildly dysfunctional that it was like, lightning you know it just it yeah and actual friends and actual friends where it's like this thing that we did six years ago they reference in the language that they only they understand because they've been so close and in each other's lives for so long and also like slightly nuts and you know I think that there's opportunity to like do something you know James could do like a social distance see you next Tuesday or something like there there is some stuff that could happen where you don't necessarily need the restaurant but I don't know that there is an understanding of what the direction of the show will look like from here on I I mean I think the Toms are instrumental the Toms Katie and Ariana Lala's yeah. pregnant. She's the only cast member I think left who's pregnant after the six others were can't. You know, like it was like pregnancy. But it's like, pregnant. do you really care about like Lala has gotten so mm-hmm. just like bland ultimately mm-hmm. that it's like you don't really care about her journey that much if she's not pissing someone off or like being outlandish like she had Mm -hmm. just assimilated into like the Katie Stassi and Kristen camp Mm -hmm. that it was like okay you're kind of boring now yeah that's a good point and I also think like I just forgot her name Dana I thought like I thought Dana was interesting what was the name of the um I just forgot Charlie was great Charlie was great Um, I didn't die for Max and Brett Oh yeah, who was the No, other? they were worthless. There the was um There was old Brett. Yeah. And then his girlfriend, which why I can't remember her name is sad because she was incredible. At the end she really served. Oh my god, this is going to kill me. No, I think she? this is the this is the problem when we start forgetting the names of the cast members and I've seen those episodes. Okay, Danica. Danica. And that and like they had a lot of promise, those mm-hmm. girls. Dana, she didn't really thrill me, but I could see her like maybe getting better over the over years t- as yes. she like learns the ins and outs of being a reality star. Hundred percent agree. So like the new class had a lot of promise, but then also a lot of that promise came from the friction between those mm-hmm. girls and Jax. Mm-hmm. And like without Jax on the show. It's like who there's no like there's no villain on the show anymore, really. James is sober, oh my I guess. God. Like I love him so much now. I never yeah, and I'm say that. so happy for him. Yeah. Yes. But and you have the Toms who are very pretty neutral. I mean, mm-hmm. Katie, I don't I think she requires Stassi and Kristen mm-hmm. to bring out her true villainous energy. Mm-hmm. And without them, she's just kind of neither here nor there. So 
and now Max and Brett are gone. They were inconsequential to begin with, but like at least Brett was like they brought a little something, with but the they Sheena were stuff. you could take yeah, them yeah, or yeah. leave them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's really no, there's no like villain on the show anymore. I'm just realizing. I feel like VPR because it has been built around a restaurant, restaurant industry, LVP's empire is at a crisis point, which it would probably have reached regardless of the pandemic. I think that there is a certain point in time where it's like we have followed these people for several years. We get Jax's story. It is very possible that based on maturity or lack thereof, or just time, we need to figure out a way to introduce new stories that's more successful than what happened this year, where it appeared that like all the cast were like, we're superstars. We don't know who these new people are, but we don't necessarily want to like mix and mingle with them. We just want to keep doing our own thing. And I think it's possible that this would have happened regardless of COVID. I just think maybe True. COVID was the opportunity to say we can take a several months and figure this out. Like, see what you guys are doing in your lives. Like, are you figuring out income through other sources? Is that related to the show or other stuff? Like, are you developing other things and maybe then deciding is this, you know, enough of a story and who else do we have to like fit in the missing spots? Yeah, it's just it's an unfortunate twist that mm-hmm. all the people that they fired mm-hmm. or sans Kristen had like huge life changes mm-hmm. that would have really filled the void of that like watching Jackson Brittany oh my god navigate a pregnancy like I feel robbed <laughs> of that opportunity and like even watching Stassi and Bo navigate mm-hmm. a pregnancy like that would have been really entertaining and it's it's just it's unfortunate that like things happen the way they did. Yeah. And it also feels like you're invest. You've invested how many years in following these people. And now there's mm-hmm. this crazy fucking shit that happened. Like we saw Stassi getting gay. And then, you know, it's like you watch the evolution of her shitty relationship, shitty relationship. She got engaged to the guy of her dreams, surprise pregnancy, taking out uh, the understandable reasons, which I agree with for why she was fired there is a new chapter for this person and all of these other people. And it is fascinating that none of it probably is being covered except yeah. that there that are rumors. Right at the moment. Right. Right at the moment. <laughs> right where, like, at the moment where it's like, right. damn, this could finally get good. Cause the last two seasons were so bad. Mm-hmm. Like it was floundering and mm-hmm. it just is like at that moment it was, it all fell apart. And allegedly Rand. Oh, it's po it's complete poetic. Um mm-hmm. uh supposedly what were Rand you saying? is allegedly maybe, po- I don't even it's already Rand it's already, is Oh yeah, Rand is um uh allegedly recording some of this. There are rumors about that to maybe pitch to another show. Like maybe they've been recording the like baby announcements and shit to package that into something else. But I A don't know that I believe that and B don't know that they know how to do this in the way that their production company, the BPR's production company did. I don't know. I don't see well, Jax as a producer doing terrible. I well. mean, I think giving him the reins 
to just like run amok with mm-hmm. his narrative of like what people want to see is actually kind of genius because mm-hmm. I think that he'll just do such a horrific job that it's like <laughs> the cracks that we all yearn for will mm-hmm. absolutely show. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to someone recently about VPR and like how they could package themselves or get spinoff shows. Mm-hmm. And that person was brought up the point that they probably have like non-compete clauses or something oh, or like yeah. in For like their long? contracts yeah, yeah, yeah. with NBC yeah, Universal. hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like TBD, how much can be shown or when another mm-hmm. competing show. I mean, the thing is like, I would absolutely watch a show with Jax, Brittany, if Lala left VPR to join them, like I'd watch them. I'd watch Saucy and Bo if they were part of it. Like, I would I would watch it. It'll be I guess it'll be interesting to see what goes down. I don't see Bravo letting go of this entirely. I think that VPR in its current state of TBD still has enormous value and name recognition and everything else. And it I think it a lot of it's just going to be determined by like literally probably what happens in the near future. I think they're yeah. Bravo has done like a really good job of adjusting to the current circumstances. I think Winter House is a phenomenal idea. I have wanted Fall House for a while, like some sort of summer. <laughs> Give house. me every single season. Make oh a God. house for that season. Like Force I'm fucking in. There. It's a Big Brother you can't get out of. It is the Truman Show that we have always deserved. Like. Just leave them in their special little sphere and what let us just, you know, have our window. I don't understand. I know that I read on about Winter House that the Toms were approached to be a part of it, but they didn't want to sep- be leave their wives for that period of time. But I'm like, why not just have like the wives come? Yeah. Why not just have Katie? Come? Like I'm I need like Tom and Katie's dysfunctional relationship in the house with other people like if they're drinking like you know shit's gonna go down and it's gonna be great like yeah, I'm not I don't I enjoy the Toms as like mm-hmm. for the for the entertainment value that they provide but mm-hmm. I'm not like a live like I don't live I don't think that they're like the most hilarious entertaining people that I could possibly see on TV like their hijinks feel very performative and like mm-hmm. produced mm-hmm. and I like seeing them in their relationships more than I like seeing them with each other that's interesting and there does still remain a love between them which I always like too like they genuinely seem to enjoy each other which mm-hmm. having been in each other's lives for so long plus you you're almost like competing on a reality when it comes to like all this shit behind the scenes and press opportunities, whatever else, the fact that they still, and they've gone into business together on camera yeah. behind. So that's, yeah, I, I like I a couple like both. Yeah. Like a couple's winter house with Tom and Ariana, Tom and Katie, some Southern charm people would love to see some people from married to med on there too, by the way, married like, to med crazy. I haven't watched situations. that. I need to watch that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're, it's going to change sure. your life. It, there is a okay. reunion moment over the course of a couple episodes at season, whatever I'm going to lie. I'm going to say it's like season five or six. I forget where there is an announcement of a breakup and then watching the cast attempt to repair it. Andy at one point was like, this is the realest shit that I have ever seen. And it feels it. I've watched it so many times. Okay, amazing. It is 
it is unbelievable. It is. Can I just hop in at that season? Do I have to start from the beginning or is it like I can enter? No, you're an OG of Bravo podcast. I know, but I like, I, I sometimes go in and out of shows and like with summer house, like I, I hopped in, I've watched some of season one, but I just started at three. Yeah. I mean, some like Kyle and Amanda. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I want like a, just couples and then throw mm-hmm. in like some chaotic single people to mix things up. Like get Catherine Dennis in there. Oh, I mean, God. I guess you probably can't cause she has babies to care for, but. Um, yeah, I would say married to med is the journey that you need to take married to med. OG. Okay, obviously. Yeah. Whenever I say married to med, I do not involve um, Los Angeles in this discussion. Apologies to you as a LA resident. Um, it's fine. I don't take a- offense dickish new yorker <laughs> i'm like i don't fuck with la when it comes to mary to Matt. it's like og or nothing um listen so much happened on bravo tv A- an excellent week of content i felt very appreciated i felt very grateful i felt very seen very heard mm-hmm. salt lake city reunion a season to remember a season to go down in history and a Part three that was specifically in my eyes really fucking wild. What were your thoughts on this new franchise? And did your opinion about anyone change as the reunion itself, you know, played out? I had a very rocky relationship with this franchise. I decided to recap it with my co-host Carrie O'Donnell um just based on the first episode because it was so amazing I was Mm -hmm. like we've got to talk about the show Mm -hmm. and I've never really done that before with Mm -hmm. a show on the podcast like aside from just Vanderpump Rules which is how I started podcasting Mm -hmm. but like I I feel like the season had a lot of peaks but then a lot of valleys and like boring parts where I just didn't understand how this cast like worked together. I wasn't really clear on the dynamics between people. I was wondering why Mary was just always in her bedroom taking <laughs> FaceTime calls. Like I just didn't see how they like what the synergy was at times mm-hmm. between these women. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like slogged through the last half of the season in kind of a resentful place. But then okay. these reunions truly blew my like blew me away like they gave they made it they made it all make sense and then also made me so excited for season two so they like they earned it and I feel like the payoff was huge I hear you and I so love that we had different experiences watching the season because to be honest I my like least favorite thing is when someone's like yeah I loved it okay bye (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's not as interesting to me so I love hearing the experience that you had watching the season which was different than mine but I'm sure is echoed by many people listening were there any housewives who regardless of the construct of the plot which you may have felt was like a little meandering or, or disconnected where you watched during the reunion you were like wow additional questions are I'm like in my head raising additional questions about this person this is surprising to me or unexpected or challenges the perception that I had you know during the season itself yeah I really came away from the reunion being very anti-Heather 
Like, I think that she was really reaching and overstepping. And, like, I think that I agree with whoever said, like, the kind of fame and recognition has a bit gone to her head because she clearly mm-hmm. does think of herself as being, like, the star of the show or the, uh, I guess, like, the audience's, like, the woman that would be closest to the audience in terms of, like, having, like, a solid head on her shoulders or whatever. How much of that do you think is related to Heather feeling good about the attention that she got and the praise that she got from the audience, seemingly universally, through the season and then brought that with her as her, like, armor into the reunion versus Heather being someone who has said repeatedly and explicitly that she was someone who was punished for wanting to have her own voice and is now at a place in her life where she's like, I've got it. I got to use it. There's no looking back. I'm going to trigger myself if I keep my mouth shut. I need to say exactly what I'm thinking in the moment, regardless of how it lands. Yeah, I think that's, I totally see what you're saying. I think that's a really salient point. Like she definitely it's and what I like about her is like watching it her evolution in real time because it's Mm -hmm. like she's not she doesn't have the awareness of like that that that's what's happening to her in Mm -hmm. a way like Mm -hmm. she's been through these traumatic experiences with her divorce and feeling shut down and like judged and told that she was so wrong and then has like a gratifying and empowering experience of seeing people like identify with her struggle and feeling like really pumped up about that. And then Mm -hmm. brings that you're right, like brought that energy into the reunion, but it's like a person who like, she's not, she's like in the middle of her healing journey right now. And Mm -hmm. so she's making all those kinds of missteps that one would make where you are not like, giving yourself time to process and like Mm -hmm. work through what's going on before you then like present yourself to the world. And so that's interesting because I like watching that. Like I like the flawed nature of her Mm -hmm. character, but at the same time I just found her to be like annoying in the reunion. I was just like, girl, you need to shut up. (laughs) It was wild to me how hard she was going against Lisa because she felt like Lisa wasn't a good enough friend to Meredith, which is neither here nor there, and was angry at the ways that Lisa may not have been holding Jen accountable, when I would think the actual heart of the matter is Jen's behavior. And you're like skipping over the actual problem here specific to your life which is not necessarily Lisa's defense or certainly not to the extent that it should be. It should be talking about Jen's specific behavior. And she like referenced it, the crazy, horrible shit, that body shaming, all kinds of bad stuff that Jen said online. But it's like that came at a point that was not offered with as much focus or, um, time as what she said against Lisa understanding these are edited episodes whatever else it felt Mm -hmm. like she had so much anger at Lisa related to a relationship and friendship that P.S. 
if Lisa isn't a good friend to Meredith, Meredith gets to decide whether or not she wants to be friends with Lisa. Like that's not up to Heather. It is possible to have people in your life that you consider a good friend and you decide you're okay with how they value your friendship. That's not on Heather to decide, but like the stuff, the whole divorce thing, I, as I understood it, Lisa was saying, you know, they were just, it's Justin, right? Whitney's husband, Justin. Justin was talking yeah. about his um, uh, being excommunicated from uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Heather was talking about her experience. Lisa, you know, Andy, I think maybe asked a question relating to like, is that, you know, wh- what's the percentage of divorces or something in this community? Lisa then said, well, it is possible to be a Mormon and be divorced and not be excommunicated. For example, my husband behind me has been d- divorced or is divor- has been married prior. I have relatives who've been married prior. It's not necessarily a deal breaker. And then time goes by and Heather weaponizes that, I think because she's genuinely triggered and maybe doesn't trust Lisa enough to hear her. And uses it against her as if to say, you said out loud that divorces don't hurt. Now look at your pal Meredith and her story. How can you say that? And and didn't let Lisa talk. It was very awkward to watch in the moment because I was like, yeah. you're telling her you, you're upset by something that she didn't say. And you're not even giving her a chance to clarify. And I hope that when looking back. Heather's able to see that like Lisa didn't say it and if there are reasons to be upset at Lisa this specific moment is not the one I agree and I I, her logic was very twisted and I think she's really much more invested in trying to make Lisa look bad or Mm -hmm. kind of showcase whatever cracks may be there in Lisa's character and because Lisa is like a quote unquote good Mormon and Mm -hmm. Heather is like, I guess, quote unquote, not a good Mormon. So I think that Heather's mostly triggered by that. And then all this other stuff like comes out in that way. That is such a good point because it's like chicken and the egg. What is what is more triggering to her? What is the priority? Is it exposing someone who is still a valued member and current member of the Church of Latter-day Saints versus you're on a show where you want to be one step ahead. You know that public opinion is important. You know you've received a lot of public support. You want to continue it. You want to double down on it. But you are also, as you as your tagline reflects, dealing with the situation and story that your life has forever changed because of your... Uh, divorce and and the person that you were raised to be sort of no longer exists and you're watching this other person who's being shown to be this model of whatever and who also did not a, originate at like didn't as a like Mormon, Heather's family is right. like long 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 time mm-hmm. Mormon and Lisa's family I think from my understanding they were Jewish and then they all converted right, right, right yeah so I'm sure that there's just like resentment there and some jealousy and like why is it working out for this person and Mm -hmm. not for me and like an inability at this point to hold to allow both things to be true where it's like your experience was subpar but this person 
is not only like having a great experience in this church, but then also is finding a lot of success on the show. And like, a lot. I think, I mean, Lisa's my favorite on the show. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that I'm sure that she's getting, has gotten a lot of fans. And so that must just like really burn Heather up because I think, based on her own personal experiences, it's like she views like this church as being, it can be like a really traumatic or like bad thing. And when you have that kind of perspective, it's hard to see someone going through it and having like a positive experience. And she might, Heather might feel gaslit when Lisa's saying these things about how, uh, you know, her experience is being so positive, but Lisa having a good experience and not having the same experience as Heather doesn't negate Heather's own story. You know, like, Mm -hmm. she has the right to have whatever life she has and whatever experience she has, as you have the right to communicate your own experience, but the two don't need to match. Like, it's okay if they conflict with each other because when you're dealing with religion and a religion that is as conservative as what I have uh, come to understand as Mormonism – And the timing is different, too. My guess is that there has been some sort of shift in Mormonism in the last however many years. And it is still remains a, you know, conservative or traditional uh, structure, shall we say. And apologies if that's completely misconstrued, but I don't think it is. Um, It is possible that Lisa's having a different experience. And the fact that, as you said, she converted like that's. A very different experience to convert. I don't know how old she was as a and as an adult. I actually, I really genuinely don't know. That's going to mm-hmm. be a different experience than being born into this and expected to marry into this. Where Heather yeah. didn't have a choice to be a Mormon. It seems to be that Lisa did. You know, mm-hmm. from the jump, yeah, it's so going to be different. Yeah, I think Heather's just still processing everything, and so it's not coming out well like mm-hmm. but I like to see someone like going through it at the mm-hmm. same time like it it makes them it brings like a lot of nuance to their character I also think like with Lisa listen she was at the reunion she took on Heather queen of my heart who really you know Heather uh is obviously new <laughs> new to my mm-hmm. life like new, a year in to our burgeoning best friendship but she has been a specific kind of person because all the content I've seen of her has been of her as a private individual of some measure who is now filming a reality tv show who didn't have really any experience aside from maybe the announcement of Salt Lake City existing and being produced as a public figure in the way that she does now within a very niche community and getting a whole lot of applause. And I think for me personally, deservedly so I'm really, I'm really into Heather. I do also think what I love in life is someone who feels like a human person, which means adding a layer of complication. And that can be in the way that you respond to something that I disagree with, or maybe it's like a business thing coming out or which is not related to Heather, but like in life, you know, like or a a thing with your marriage or a thing with your family or your parents or whatever else where you respond in a way that I disagree with, which is good to me because if Heather for the entirety of the season minus the reunion was a really beautiful outline 
right now the reunion to me is like adding color and Mm -hmm. it's showing a fuller picture of this person because now we have the benefit and hindsight of watching her film when she was filming her very first time as a housewife and getting a taste of that and a taste of public opinion and maybe settling into some of her views about some of these other women and watching that play out where she hasn't calibrated. She's like been the private individual and been a to many people, not all obviously to many people, a beloved new housewife and watching that try to like meld together or not is to me fascinating. The question, I agree. The question is like, is she going to fall into the second season curse? I know. And that's like, that's also part of the fun of watching because, and I think also what's fascinating about when you take someone that clearly is having like struggles with self-esteem and kind of figuring all that out. And then you have just like a huge outpouring of public support, like that can really warp your like Mm -hmm. vision of yourself and sometimes for the worst. And I think like we saw her lean into that kind of warped perception during the course of the reunion. And that doesn't even necessarily mean that you like develop an ego or think you're the shit. It just means that if you had your identity previously determined to you by people other than yourself and were married into, you know, set up essentially into a dynamic and a relationship with someone where you didn't feel comfortable developing your own voice because you thought you were going to be punished. And then you're in a reality show where people are giving you very specific um uh, uh, rewards and responses to how you're behaving. I would think if I was the same similar personality to my experiences prior to housewives, I would feel a lot of anxiety and pressure about the people that are giving me the good stuff because I wouldn't want to let them down. I don't know how I, I'm still trying to figure out my own identity. You know, like I, I am nervous now because I have gotten a taste of maybe the critique and how that can play out. I mean, it can really fuck with you from a perspective of your self-esteem or your identity, your livelihood, certainly, and how to even begin to improve, you know, like how do you get to mm-hmm. the next stage if you're still struggling, understandably so, which you probably always will carry with you, the trauma of what happened to her, how do you like meld that together in a healthy way when you're constantly under pressure to produce? Yeah. Or how do you even figure out who you are right? if you're going from one polarity to the other? Because there, it's not giving her a lot of room to be like, without anyone else's voices in her head just being like who is Heather and what does Heather stand for and what does she care about what does she value in her relationships like what does she value in a romantic relationship like what are and so I think the interesting the dichotomy between Heather and Lisa is Lisa seems to be someone that very much knows who exactly Mm -hmm. she is and like has had the bandwidth to like figure that out over the years and hasn't had has had like a positive experience with her religion and like um family and mm-hmm. and was very established as like Lisa Barlow queen of Sundance prior <laughs> to housewives so mm-hmm. she's kind of unshakable in the sense and I like like an unshake I think we all need there always needs to be like one unshakable housewives mm-hmm. housewife in the mix um 
But I think that that also creates a lot of tension between them because they are kind of like two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. When Heather was talking about um, the idea that Lisa was using her friendship with Jen to sort of like get back at Heather or was manipulating it online or whatever else. Did you think there was any weight to that, to the ways in which, and I might be completely fucking this up. I think it was like during the lunch break in part two that Lisa is like driving the train in that friendship or that Lisa sees value in her friendship with Jen. That's not based in an actual you know, ad- admiration or respect for her. It's tough. I th- I think Heather is, reaching. I think Heather's jealous of their relationship. And especially because her relationship with Jen is a little bit tortured or mm-hmm. like has a different, there's just a different vibe. Like Jen's kind of the top in the relationship between her and Heather where <laughs> she's like, you know what I mean? And then, Lisa seems like she's more of the top in her relationship with Jen. Like she was the one that out did outreach after that mm-hmm. Vegas trip where Nobody Jen was obviously. Yeah. And she said when she said that, I believed like mm-hmm. when she was like, that was why I reached out to you because I felt like really weird about the way mm-hmm. that that all went down. And I believed that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that, but I also am just like a Lisa Stan, so I love this. I love this journey. For yeah, you. I'm super into this. <laughs> but I also am like a Jen Stan. Like, there's something mm-hmm. about her. Like, I just love how I love her convictions. I love how flawed she is. Mm-hmm. But I and I love seeing her just like flip the fuck out. Like, it's very refreshing. But even though it is also like horrifying. Like, I think that she's just like very human. And like a big, like loud character. And it's fun to see just like a hurricane of a woman just like come across my TV screen. It's so, you know, and and yet the critique of her has been that she's been performative or, um, you know, like playing the part of a housewife on RH and... I think some aspects of that are true. Like the Shaw squad is to me a giant. Yeah. They're a little much. Yeah. Aside from Stuart, who seems like a lovely person and someone who actually Mm -hmm. has a job. Like when she started discussing her career stuff, she's like, and it's like, how do you have eight assistants? Oh, I have this company. Number one, why did we never see the company? That is such a disservice to Jen, but more importantly ourselves to not watch Mm -hmm. her in action. I think that would have created a fuller picture for us to understand, you know, when we're painting in that outline, yeah. But I also think like her description of it is like, oh, those are assistants. It's like, no, it sounds like they're employees, which is different from an assistant in my eyes. Obviously, I don't run her business. She does. But as someone who doesn't mind my business when it comes to the business of housewives, it felt a little bit like, OK, we're pretending these are assistants because it sounds more moneyed when in reality, these are people who work for you. And Stuart appears to be an assistant. Like, are these other, do we really have eight of them or seven or whatever the number is? Like, maybe there's two, but even if there are two, why are there two? (laughs) Like, there's aspects of this that I'm like, oh, this is created. 
And then other stuff where, you know, she sort of sometimes loses her mind. Yeah, like she's really volatile at times or just gets really triggered and like does not know how to effectively deal with that. And I love that about her. Mm -hmm. And I also I agree with you, like the assistant thing was felt very strange and especially when you didn't see any of the background and I like spent a lot of time like over the season being like okay how does how do they have so much money to have all these assistants like what about their like how are they affording Mm -hmm. all of this and then when we found out that her business sounds like really legit and profitable Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. like okay that's amazing like would love to see more of that and I agree like I think that she could make some tweaks to make mm-hmm. it just seem more like her life seem more grounded mm-hmm. because I think that would actually help her as like, as the franchise continues because it's like mm-hmm. you're, you are a woman who has like, you're very much in charge and like mm-hmm. can do hard things like or running a business and like can delegate and like have this like super successful business but you're also like a psycho sometimes and like mm-hmm. lose your shit and like drink too much and throw the glass like mm-hmm. that I love to see it feels just very like not dimensional enough to just be like I'm fucking fabulous and I have a million assistants and I'm also crazy like it's like just give us both like it's okay to have both I totally agree and I think it just would bring so much enormous it's just more of an understanding of Jen, who, you know, also happens to be somebody who does this thing that I hate, but is the trademark of a housewife and something that people do regardless of whether or not they have a TV show, which <laughs> is you do something specifically to hurt someone because you're pissed or jealous or upset or sad. So you take revenge, however that is, by like talking about them, talking shit, yelling at them, whatever it is. And then you say, by way of apology, it was not my intention to hurt you. That is my trigger. It was your intention to talk about Meredith's marriage to make her feel bad. You weren't just sharing it because you wanted them to go on like Dr. Phil and work this stuff out. You were sharing it because you knew it was gossip with value and you wanted people to talk about Meredith maybe not keeping stuff 100. Like, there was to me as someone who isn't Jen Shaw, so like I can truly go fuck myself, an intent to harm Meredith. So just apologize to her. Yeah, I I bumped on that as well, and then ultimately after she said it like four times, I was like, maybe it wasn't <laughs> yeah. her intent. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I like she saw the know. I saw the tiny crack, the mm-hmm. glimmer of like a t- a the slight version of mm-hmm. maybe. She just said it because they're on a show and Mm -hmm. she felt like that's what needed to be said. Because I think there is that element percolating in the background that none of Mm -hmm. them are allowed to speak to, Mm -hmm. which accounts for like Whitney's like timing of coming to Jen in the middle of her party for Sharif to like tell her this really unnecessary information. But like, so I think that that's like the missing link. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm, I was like, yeah, like you are, you're a very reactive person Mm -hmm. who does aim to like barb people and teach them a thing or two. 
I'm also curious what the timing was between the airing of the Potomac reunion and the filming of the Salt Lake City reunion, because there was. A, do you watch Potomac? I don't. Okay. And I, that's been on my to do list a, listen, for a long time. Got, I know you, that you it's maybe like got some B1. time. <laughs> you maybe got like six months, eight <laughs> months, like fingers crossed it's four. Um, but on Potomac, there was a really interesting nuanced conversation around colorism and the idea of certain specific words that you and I could use with each other as non-black women that can be weaponized when used against, did I say non-black? Yeah, that can be weaponized yeah. when used against black women. And one of those words is aggressive. And Potomac played out and it took me listening and like taking a step back to really understand what Dr. Wendy said on Potomac when she's having this conversation about colorism and the use of specific words. And it's also the idea that these words can be triggering to black women when used against them and weaponized when used against them. So triggering when used to describe them by somebody else and weaponized. And that doesn't mean that that person being discussed shouldn't be held responsible for their behavior and I watched that play out on Salt Lake City and I was like fuck I wish that Heather who is an avowed you know uh, bravo-holic which is another reason I love her um who I think watches probably every franchise I wish she had seen the Potomac reunion because my hope would be that she saw it and heard and learned as I did more about specific words that I honestly genuinely hadn't thought of in that way before and would have reacted and responded back to Jen in a more understanding tone than like saying something that even if it's based on like genuinely shitty things that she said to you, you really shouldn't say to a person of color, like, I don't want you to educate me, which is... I don't think how Heather feels, but is something that she said out loud, you know, like, yeah, it, that she was, was a really, tough moment. That was a tough they moment. They did a really, a piss poor job of mm -hmm. listening to what Jen was saying. Cause I mean, as a viewer, obviously we're not in the room. We have no of skin course. in the game really. Mm -hmm. So like as a viewer, I was seeing Jen come from a very genuine place of like having real trauma and PTSD mm -hmm. from situations in her youth and yeah, just like growing it's up. Shit. It's yeah. Shit. And being like, I could see her as mm -hmm. like this little girl or a teenager being mm -hmm. put in these situations where people are ganging up on her mm -hmm. and being like, you don't get to talk. Like you're fucking aggressive. You're too much like blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And her feeling really like attacked and powerless. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is important to hear like mm -hmm. regardless of her behavior which was like it's not okay to hit people and like flip out at people mm -hmm. regardless of what your race is but like to hear her say that was like I I really understood in that moment like mm -hmm. why she acted the way she did and mm -hmm. like I think Whitney and Heather in that moment fell into this trap that's like really common as mm -hmm. like a white woman to mm -hmm. interpret someone, a woman of color or a person of color kind of telling you how your actions affected them and how it kind of ties back to past experiences and stuff. It's easy to hear that and put it through the like filter of like, 
oh my god this person's calling me a racist like they like they're calling me like a white supremacist like what the fuck like I'm not like that and then just get really reactive from that and come from a place of like really wanting to clear that up Mm -hmm. which then in that process you override everything that person's saying to you because you're not just taking a step and like hearing their experience and like understanding that it's more just a conversation about like their experience in life and like how to move forward with your own relationship dynamics and it's not about you you know what I mean it's like about them and like how they feel Mm -hmm. and I think that Whitney and Heather both like all they heard in that exchange was like it's your fault or something it's your fault you're fucking racist and now everyone's gonna see Mm -hmm. that what a racist piece of shit you are which is an unfortunate like side I mean like social media I think doesn't allow a lot of those like Mm -hmm. conversations and like Mm -hmm. the nuances of them and communication. It's like very easy for people to jump from Mm -hmm. zero to racist instead (laughs) of just being like, this is how I feel. This is how I felt when you said this and like kind of finding like a common ground or understanding. So I wish that they had just like listened to Jen and like took in what she was saying because like, me as if you were watching that I was like oh my god I fucking get it and like no wonder you must have been feeling psychotic in this like Connie Britton ass psychics house (laughs) with like Buddhist statues everywhere and like found wood objects (laughs) and candles while everyone's saying they don't trust you and and that you're you're like a villain and you're a bully and you need to shut up like I if I were her in that situation I would be feeling insane too like and yeah, I think they very much glaze about. I'm interested to see how Whitney and Heather like come across in future seasons because I think that they're gonna be this like united force with a lot of problems. Oh yeah, and the whole thing of them being cousins is something that they only recently discovered as adults. But I love them being marketed as like cousins, you know, people who like grew up together yeah. when that's not the I case. Literally thought they were like next door neighbor Same. cousins. Same. And it's like, no, we like, were like, we went to lunch and we're like, oh, my Aunt Barbara. And it's like, oh, you have a barber too? <laughs> like, whatever. And then it's. Yeah, you're like Burton. fourth cousins or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like if you're in, grew up in LDS, you're cousins with everyone. I mean, it might be one of the special rewards of, yeah. of being in that community, which is something that even they would probably um, agree with. Um, yeah, I think that it's like, and I think, you know, Heather uh, apologized for that moment on Twitter I personally would have loved to see her like add Jen's handle it was more of like an apology (laughs) to like the viewers and that she's working on herself and I really appreciate that I also think like you were in a direct conversation with somebody maybe and you may have done this privately surely hopefully but also like maybe publicly like add them. But there are so many layers to this because of her feeling about Jen's behavior online too. It just so happens that like this is a very specific dynamic that you sort of have to discuss in a vacuum, you know, like leave the other stuff out of it and also just keep reminding and telling yourself it doesn't mean that she's not responsible for her behavior. And if you Mm -hmm. are getting that sense from her, if that is your perception, just know that that is not the most important part of this. You can still have that conversation. You just need to use different words, you know, like yeah. I don't think it has to be that. 
I don't think it's that. It's like, but and also it's not she that didn't binary. Know. Right. Yeah. Oh my god, my psychiatrist. Shout out Dr. K. She's one hundred percent not listening to this, but I texted her yesterday. Has that conversation with me a lot because we talk mm-hmm. about housewives and Andy's girls specifically a lot, and uh, she's a longtime non-viewer of all things Bravo and. There is the conversation that she has been guiding me through of like, you have spoken about things and your feelings about things in a very like binary way and humanity and people and the idea of having conversations, it's so much more rewarding and also more importantly, realistic when you understand that people are not as good or as bad as they me feel in that moment and regardless of a specific incidence of behavior weigh that against just the spectrum of behaviors that can exist and also know that you don't have any idea of that person's history or perspective so even if someone harmed you there's a way of unpacking that harm through the lens of that other person which doesn't discount the impact of what happened to you, but it does also make you a person who can use empathy as a real, like on the ground tool in life, which is something that I'm working on. Like, I really think shifting away from a binary view of certain behaviors or whatever else, and really understanding that we are all at a certain extent broken people. We are going to behave in a way that at any point in time that is maybe not representative of how we see ourselves and our character. And regardless of whether, you know, you think a friendship with somebody who's like screaming at you, slapping your hand in Vegas or whatever, maybe isn't ideal or it feels toxic or you need to drastically reset your own boundaries in this relationship you still need to hopefully just take a little bit of time, especially if it's somebody that you like have years with and have invested time and resources in love with, and just like think a little bit about unpacking and understanding where they're coming from. It just like, it helps you selfishly. It helps me on my journey and it helps that person using that empathy as a real like driving factor it just I think it just honestly makes us all stronger. It sucks. I'm not gonna lie. It's so much easier to be binary than I'm oh when it's it like the easiest of- thing to just oh be like God. we're fucking done and like we all now see it and that's how it is and like it's much harder to be like okay like it, there's just more gray area in here and there's uh, many different conversations to be had and mm-hmm. like yeah and I think it and I agree with you like everyone grows from that mm-hmm. like that's a productive way of like healing and moving mm-hmm. forward yeah and I think that you know the binary stuff I really feel like is hand in hand with shame and the way that shame can be weaponized mm-hmm. and the way that shame can be weaponized in relationships and in communities and I think we've seen that you know in the Bravo community as well online And trying to get away from that is, I think, great for everyone. (laughs) Like, we have the ability to hold people accountable without casting a darkness over their souls, which at the end of the day, I'm never going to know necessarily what Heather meant in moment X or Y or what Lisa meant in moment T or B, but... 
with time and energy and hopefully some growth will maybe circle back to the shit that we couldn't stand before and say like, wow, that really sucked in that moment when you literally wouldn't let her finish a sentence and I couldn't understand either of you because it was literally just noise and get a window into what both of them were trying to say so that even if they can't hear each other, we are able to listen. Totally. And I think that's what's so fascinating about the show specifically on Bravo and like when you get invested in like a specific Real Housewives franchise Mm -hmm. or Vanderpump Rules, it's like you're kind of watching these conversations Mm -hmm. happen in real time. Like there's so Mm -hmm. many moments where it's like I'll walk away from a Vanderpump Rules episode being like, I fucking hate Stassi. Like, blah, blah, blah is a piece of shit. Like, they're Mm -hmm. so awful. And then, like, two episodes later, I'm like, I feel for her. Like, I root for her and I understand where they're coming from. And, like, it's ever shifting. Like, it's never just, like, it's never just, like, a black and white thing, you know? Is there a housewife that you started watching or at one point we're watching we're like oh i can't fucking stand this person and then over time it shifted in a drastic way yes and i'm trying to think of who that was i'm thinking too guys think to yourself take take five seconds it'll be like mr miss galley's neighborhood <laughs> i mean i won't okay well it's okay. I can't Safe think space. of like a housewife right now, but like I will say I'm rewatching and recapping Rock of Love on Sexy Unique Podcast, oh. which has been such a fun revisit because I watched it first when I was in my 20s and I remember what my opinions were of these uh-huh. women back then. And uh-huh. then to come back, like my alliances lie with like completely different women on the show. So like there was this woman, Amber, that I remember just like loving when I was in my 20s. And then now I'm just like, I don't like her one bit. Like, I think she's like phony. She's a snitch, like blah, blah, blah. And so I think that like I like I I like how you can see your own evolution as a mm-hmm. person via the lenses of these characters. And I think that you can do that on Housewives, too. Like there's so many people that over time it's like oh my god I hated this person but then now like Danielle Staub for example like I was like I found her to just be like insufferable and unwatchable Mm -hmm. but she is so just absurd to me that I delight in the absurdity of Danielle Staub like she's actually like like it's just hilarious to me I thought you were about to say that do I think that she's an amazing right you don't no I don't think no I mean I think that she's like a very like a very fucked up person Mm -hmm. with like a Mm -hmm. lot of issues Mm -hmm. that she clearly is still working through on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. but like instead of just being like ew like I just can't stand (laughs) her like I'm I I like enjoy I seek it I Uh like yearn for it Uh yeah and I think there's a lot of that that's happened over the years with various housewives I totally agree and I think this whole conversation about not being binary is so important with like so many people (laughs) except in my life maybe not Danielle (laughs) like number one yeah I think well because Danielle I think is a very binary or views things in a very binary way so it like 
inhibits her from having that kind of personal Mm -hmm. growth that she truly does seek like I do believe that Danielle is seeking enlightenment will she get there TBD but like yeah love and light to her on her journey her spiritual journey but like I that's like why I felt so compelled to even start podcasting about Vanderpump Rules Mm -hmm. in the first place is because it's like these like there's so many different points of view to like talk about. It's like you can endlessly discuss that. And I think like given this past year of COVID and everything else that's happened, it's it's been hard harder sometimes to have those like more nuanced discussions. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is a phase and that it will like phase into like a place of really understanding like and just being able to look at things from many different perspectives and mm-hmm. see from like a bird's eye view or a bigger picture of how it all fits in together. Cause it's a, pro- it's like mentally processing. Like that's, yeah. you don't just like, you're always like, it's important to be always asking questions and mm-hmm. like coming back and looking at something from a different perspective. And that's how you learn from things. Like you don't evolve if you're just mm-hmm. like, this was bad and this was good. Like you're not like a AI Right. And also acknowledging that, like, we have so much stress that has now seeped into our body and bones relating to the pandemic and issues relating to just social justice and whatever else it's been. 2020 was a really difficult year to literally and figuratively figuratively survive. And especially if you live, I mean, and obviously all over the world, but in mm. our country specifically, the COVID <laughs> like response is like little bit of this, little bit of that. Just <laughs> forward horrific 35 on miles all back. levels. Yeah. Hasn't been great. <laughs> Hasn't yeah. been great. But <laughs> knowing that, you know, like we're talking about having nuanced conversations and the art and act of self-reflection and also knowing you might not have capacity for for that right now. You may respond to somebody in a way that you wouldn't have necessarily. You may think of yourself as somebody who is thinking from the perspective of a uh, nine non-binary perspective when it comes to the idea of uh, a person's psychology uh, methodology whatever that is when it comes to like the all right or all wrong you may feel that you are more connected to the in-between except that you are under so much stress and you're so freaked out and you're so angry right now that you behave in a manner diametrically opposed to the person that you have made you have maybe showed us this entire time that you were and that is also okay because mm-hmm. we are in a time right now where we feel so many feelings and are dealing and trying to process with so much negativity that it feels somewhat inevitable that your output is going to be negative as well like Everybody just needs to give themselves a little bit of a break. And if you have capacity to try as best as you can to give a break to each other and know that like you can like I I probably fucked up 30 times in the last 24 hours in small or large pieces. Also dealing with a lot of stress in small and large pieces that are unrelated to covid that are multiplied because of the energy I'm trying to get out of my body related to COVID. So when we have these kinds of conversations and I'm thinking about, you know, the wives that we also saw filming Salt Lake City 
fully before the pandemic before sorry not before the pandemic but like before the shutdown and before States, like lockdown yeah right where they finished filming i think they said the weekend they filmed the finale the weekend before lockdown and they are likely different people relating to the pandemic plus the introduction of fame privilege you know the money that that comes from being on these sh- the show and everything else and they're dealing with having to deal with the pandemic and now also the public input and then also their co-stars maybe feeling like they have changed a little bit as people and then also trying to salvage whatever so you get picked up for the next season which thankfully allegedly they all have which I think is great you know it's a lot so I think the ways that some of us have watched these shows have changed in the last year for a lot of valid reasons. I think that a lot of critiques that we've had and conversations that we've had in the last year and and for many people the last several years and with new people being introduced to this in the last year have changed for a lot of reasons. And I also think that it is okay that we sometimes stumble our way to some sort of end point. I think we need to, like, if you can, however you can, give yourself a break. And when you fuck up, just know that you are trying to survive at a a crisis point Mm. in our history and in our lives. And that's okay. Like, it's okay. You don't need to further shame yourself. You're just trying to survive. Yeah. And you don't have to, like, listen to the, like, a lot it's like take what applies and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of stuff is just noise. And especially yes. with like social media and stuff, it can just feel like over fucking whelming. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm a huge advocate of like not participating in social media as much. Cause that's been like a lifesaver for me. Um, I think that is so important. And guys follow me at Dame Galley. <laughs> I know, same. I'm like, follow me. I will rarely tweet or Instagram anything, but like, I I need the followers and want the followers. Oh, guys, we'd really appreciate if you would join us in this discussion about the potential and genuine real harm of social media while following us and sliding into our DMs. We always love it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's non-binary. It's, it's a gray area. Like, it's definitely nuanced. follow. Definitely follow. Yeah, it's definitely a nuanced thing. And guys, if you haven't subscribed to all of our podcasts, we really highly encourage that. And there really isn't an oh, option. Absolutely. That you absolutely must. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, we didn't talk about New Jersey at all, but guys, that's more of a opportunity um, to hop on the AG Patreon because I'm going to do a deep dive. I've gotten some crazy satchels of gold, which are listener thoughts and feels, um, named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Corn Ben Simone. Love her. Love her. Uh, so I'm going to jog into traffic, much like Kelly, and <laughs> with my hair down. And I'm going to respond and um, unpack a lot of the tree and jack of it all. Um, Jack-o'-lanterns versus tree huggers. And uh, that will be a big part of next week's AG. So I'm really looking forward to that. A programming note. Last week put up. Oh, I think you'll appreciate this. Episode 200 of Andy Scrolls. A big day. A big, big Congrats. day. Congrats. Thank Huge. you so much. Didn't go to Milestone. Sl- th- milestone. Went to sleep super late. Woke up a little bit late, but what's a day? And got a lot of DMs and messages, emails, messages on Patreon, emails to the Andy's Girls uh, email, letting me know that what I come to find out was the file, which was completely fine during the edit and everything else, 
somehow corrupted during the export and was super fucked up. So I know. Yes. And so that I, happened to me recently, too. I blame Mercury retrograde. Thank you. Same um, Mercury. If you're out there, um, fuck I, off. Yeah. <laughs> you're completely fuck off. I was like, no. And I listened to it and I was like, no, this is not what I listened to when it was finished when I put it up. So I went back in, had to like fuck around with some stuff, completely re-edit the episode, which was fine put it up but the problem is that when an episode is downloaded you have to manually remove it before you know it's been replaced I think like your iTunes or something yeah like the actual or I think you have to quit out you have to quit out of the apps and then get back into oh Oh, I don't know actually if you downloaded the episode it's different than if you're just streaming it right I think it's I think both are good things to do but a lot of people didn't know and a lot of people still might not so if you were trying to listen to episode 200 and you're like why is the audio a little weird know that it was corrected it was an unfortunate out of my hands thing I think you know I hate to say it I think Danielle heard about some stuff that I'd said to her in episodes (laughs) past and she has her ways you guys do not break up my family and yet she did with my (laughs) new audio so it's all good. It's an amazing, I have to say, incredible conversation with Damian Bellino where we talk about the journey of AG and uh, the journey of the housewives and housewives community. And um, so if you haven't listened to it, highly encourage that you do. And if you have any problems, you can slide into my DMs. Um, but prior to that, just try to, as um, you so beautifully put it, like, log out log back in which is perfect do that number one if that doesn't work number two remove the download re-download it and you should be easy peasy um with great audio can I ask you a quick podcast related question yeah sex in the city is coming back I know I'm so excited but also I'm fearful because I think it's gonna be not so great but Mm -hmm. I'm ultimately excited and here for it Can you tell me a little bit about your Sex in the City pod? Yeah. So I started, I was called to create Mm -hmm. this podcast. Called to service. Mm -hmm. Called by the spirits. Yeah. Called Mm -hmm. to service by forces larger than myself Mm -hmm. when the third movie was like all set to fucking film and then just fell apart the last second. Mm -hmm. And I was really devastated from that. And I really felt like part of my healing journey and healing journey for fans Mm. would be to have a podcast where I would have writers and other like funny people on or creatives on to save quote unquote sex in the city three. So I would just give these writers carte blanche to like, I'm like, give me a storyline for each of the girls and then we'll go back and improvise the whole plot of whatever movie or show or whatever you decide to pitch. So I don't like, I have no rules like it can be any genre anything can happen like it can be fantasy it can be totally grounded in the world of the show like we can bring back old characters like anything can happen like I just want to live in a world where we're constantly imagining these women's hijinks so that is my podcast and I'm rebooting it I've been recording episodes banking them and I'm going to be launching soon so and it will be a weekly podcast which I just feel like now with the reboot of the show, it was time to reboot the podcast and really just have some synergy there. So I'm excited about it. 
And what's the name of the actual reboot? So I assumed it was going to be Sex and the City, but it's not. No, it's, it's called And Just Like That. No, not okay. Not I okay. think it's going to be very like um, earnest and oh God. seemingly like dramatic. And I'm just like, mm. I would like everyone to remember the good old days of Sex and the City being a comedy. <laughs> We've gotten so. into like this weird draw it's not even a dramedy it's like a a drama with a hijinks with a capital h in the movies and yeah the movies i mean spiraled completely <laughs> out of control and that was also part of my like that was part of the impetus and why that podcast format made so much sense to me because i was mm-hmm. like you can't actually get more offensive than they get in the second movie like it truly fires on so many like awful cylinders Mm -hmm. that like that and it was so not based in the reality of the characters or the show that it opens up the door for the podcast to Mm -hmm. get away with doing that as well so yeah and but now with this show I mean I'm just like it just seems like it's going to be very like a self-serious endeavor which I also think is like the flip side of the sex in the city two coin it's like, let's just find the middle ground, have some laws, have all the characters back. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, rest in peace, Samantha. Well, actually, no, they're not killing Samantha. Allegedly. They're not killing her. Yeah. But I think I'd say never say never to a Samantha yes. comeback. True. If you leave the door open, if you build it, she mm-hmm. may come. Um, <laughs> literally. She literally. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we'll see. I mean, I'm optimistic yet realistic of like Mm -hmm. this may not be what we're all collectively looking for Mm -hmm. but the good news is that my podcast saving sex in the city three is spectacular and is what you're looking for so you can always get your sex in the city fill in that arena if and just like that isn't doing it for you I love it. I mean, and just like that, I became a subscriber. Guys, that's how yeah. easy it is. That's that how is easy. exactly how easy it is. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to sexy, unique podcasts, so you're recapping and have been recapping Salt Lake City. Have mm-hmm. you discussed it all, um, Atlanta? Or are you gonna? Or have you been dipping into other franchises? It's Salt. It's Salt Lake City, and then mm-hmm. Rock of Love. And we're wrapping up both of those and trying to figure out what the next step is. So stay tuned. I mean, we're still figuring it out. So, but we will be back with something else. And guys, we ran out of turtle time, but just know next week, trust me, Bolo, I mean, so much. Have did you have you heard a little bit about Bolo? Have you seen video of Bolo? Is it below deck? Is it below deck related? Bolo is um a beautiful wonderful mystery who presented as a part of a wedding bachelorette situation for um 54 cent cynthia bailey on a little staycation-esque vacay for the atlanta housewives and he is he's broken records shall we say related to his expertise in the art of the sensual dance and maybe some (laughs) other things maybe some other sensual activities that you know depending on who you talk to and Kenya's leading a little bit of like oh 
witch hunt or something to find out if anybody gave him an extra tip or accepted one back from him late at night when he hung out with the women after emphasis on hung like there's a lot there's a lot of different jokes okay. I I've make. heard that this most recent episode of Atlanta was mm-hmm. truly like chef's kiss level mm-hmm. like peak housewives maybe a hall of fame type of episode so yeah. I clearly need I have my work cut out for me like I really I don't make enough time to take in as many housewife franchises as I should and my priorities obviously I need to check them and rearrange them <laughs> and perhaps I will delve back into Hotlanta because I was a huge Atlanta head when it first came out like it was one of the first franchises that I really loved but have you seen any screenshots from the episode like I've Kenya, seen a few. there were masks okay. there were like weren't there masks involved and like a cost whenever there's a costume involved you know it's gonna be good there were many risque costumes the women all looked fucking incredible it was like chuckles galore some really um interesting and amazing stuff a breakthrough with marlo and kenya which i honestly didn't think would ever happen and a wink to a famous movie in the design of the confessional and that's all i'll say um fun little surprise um and a wonderful episode like i would agree that it's like a a, a genuinely very creative from the second it started through the end of episode music like had me hooked watched it a couple times then I heard about some like fucking random photo or video or something of this gentleman Bolo online which I googled and will never be able to unsee but yes I did watch it seemingly <laughs> in full and I was like how is that possible um he he was a gift to us all you know, his the okay. art of the dance or the grind or whatever um, trained well. I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, American Ballet Theater, maybe somewhere else. But I mean, we were all feeling Giovanni in that moment. I mean, honestly, what other dumb fucking joke can I make in this um, description? Of the episode? <laughs> um, I highly recommend it. And for any AGs out there who haven't watched Atlanta, watch it literally eight times and then thank me later. Uh, Guys, listen, we have this amazing segment on Andy's Girls called Small Business Satchels, where we give shout outs to our favorite small businesses. And I love getting your submissions for consideration. Uh, And then the companies um, that we discuss, I mean, uh, you know, get a gratis ad, get some great shout outs. And in this time of COVID and everything else, we need to support our favorite small businesses as well as yours. So make sure to send me your submission for your small business satchel to Andy's girls show at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about the business, what it means to you. And, um, uh, please let me know if they are, uh, if it's owned or operated by a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, woman, person of color, family owned because I always want to take that into consideration when reading some of them and listen guest of honor I want to hear your do you have a small business satchel something a person I or sure place you'd like to shout do. out tell me yeah I'm gonna take it all the way back to my tagline <gasps> yes. and tell you about my favorite candle store candle Ooh. delirium 
Okay. It is a LGBTQ owned business. They have a small shop um, in West Hollywood and then I think another one in like Manhattan Beach or like Redondo or somewhere. But Mm. they have an amazing selection of candles. You can get like very reasonably priced candles Mm. of which they have like a million different brands or you can get all the way to like your high end like bougiest candle of your dreams Mm -hmm. and they have an incredible selection and they also have free shipping over a hundred dollars and then they're doing a site-wide sale right now of 10 percent off of everything so if you're going to like really splurge on a bougie candle this is the time to do it because you'll get 10 percent off and did you say that you had a favorite scent is there a specific I have too candle many that you to love name, the most? Okay, honestly, I mean, I just got one um, called. It's by this brand, Votivo, and oh yeah, okay, yeah. They have like it's cute because they have like it's like the candles have little like necklaces on them, kind of. Oh, love an accessory. What was it called? Um, love a I'm moment. looking it up right now. Do it. Red Current by Votivo. Oh, okay, guys. Well, I love this. And I'll really good. I will include the name of your small business satchel and their website information in the show notes for this episode. So, guys, make sure to support and listen to Rent while you're lighting a candle and enjoy yes. that moment. Um, <laughs> a small business satchel that came in from an AG whose name is Crystal in Tennessee who says, So, this shop, Not Sorry Goods, needs to be shared on your podcast. It is run by black and Latina women in Detroit. I'm originally from Detroit, but I live in Tennessee now. I found them. I ordered a shirt. They emailed me on a Saturday, even though they were technically closed, to ask me about my preferences. They make everything custom and custom embroidered my shirt. It's been shipped so easily. The customer service is bar none. This sustainable and inclusive shop provides locally sourced and eco-friendly apparel while also supporting Black Lives Matter, women, and LGBTQ+. And I know the pandemic, guys, words are hard. (laughs) I know the pandemic has been hard on them. Uh, And so thank you for that, Crystal. Let's give a shout out to Not Sorry Goods. I'll include their info in the show notes for this ep. And my small business satchel is an artist named Tatiana Pobla, whose work I have hanging in my kitchen. She, I think, originally went to school for architecture and um, her passion has been drawing and she is herself a... Uh, fantastic, wonderfully talented um, black woman artist whose work I actually first saw um, in Union Square where a lot of people, I've actually gotten a lot of stuff in Union Square from indie artists um, uh, selling their wares back in the day was certainly um, easier to do, uh, you know, in the land before uh, social distancing. The motto of her work is all girls are pretty regardless of color, size, or age. And although she specializes in drawings of women and all colors, she says, I'm especially proud to create beautiful drawings of black girls. Over the years, I've sold at art fairs as well as online. And what you tell me most is that my art looks like you, that it makes you feel seen, that it makes you happy. Um, I have one of her pieces. It brings me so much joy. Her use of color and like v- vibrant, beautiful, bright color in all of these illustrations of women, as she says, of all different um 
color sizes and age it's really genuinely just makes you feel good she's enormously talented um so i will include her info in the show notes for this episode my god i feel like we covered a lot we really did it was a comprehensive thoughtful conversation I mean, I think we were just like the most thoughtful. I really think totally. we just kind of killed the game this week. Can you tell the folks how to follow you online, which as we um, discussed is not optional as we are learning yes. about how to think in a nine bar- binary lens. We do not lend that to our own social media followings, how to follow you and you... listen to your pods. Yes, you may follow me online at Lars Marie, L-A-R-Z-M-A-R-I-E. That's everywhere across social media platforms. You can listen to my podcasts, Sexy Unique Podcast and Saving Sex in the City 3, wherever you are currently listening to this podcast right now. Just go search it, subscribe. Saving Sex in the City 3 will be rebooted, but there are about Mm. 17 or 18 episodes currently right now that you can listen to. And they're great guests. Like, I personally have to pitch, like, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek (gasps) was on. Wow. And that's for people who are genuine fans of Sex and the City and want to experience what a third movie could and should be like, you should listen to his episode. He did an incredible job. And um, it's a great one. That would be a good entry point of starting. But there's so many hilarious people that have come on the pod, and I'm so excited. There's great guests coming up, too, and it's going to be fun. And, of course, Sexy Unique Podcast, which is... Yeah, Sexy Unique Podcast, which is... Yeah, going on a week-to-week basis, right now, twice a week. Um, Yeah, I've covered... There's 12 seasons of Sexy Unique Podcast covering all different seasons of reality TV from... Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club that aired on MTV, sadly, <laughs> oh, to just one no. season, oh, no. to Rock of Love, to Gallery Girls, to Vanderpump Rules. There's really something for everyone there. So check Gal- that out, too. Gallery Girls, let its memory, may its memory be a blessing, as my people mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. Guys, Instagram at Dame Galley, um, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls for exclusive bonus episodes. I got some wild episodes relating to the Salt Lake City, um, uh, wild satchels rather relating to the Salt Lake City reunion and a lot of stuff on Jersey and some thoughts on Atlanta that I'll share in a bonus episode that'll go out this weekend. And also just swinging back, circling back to my tagline opening this episode, I was fortunate enough to get my first shot of the Moderna vaccine this morning and um, got it here in New York City, um, feeling good several hours after getting it. Um, I did a full rundown of my experience and things to keep in mind um, for you or any loved ones that you know uh, that will be hopefully getting the vaccine. And uh, so you can find that on my Instagram. Um, I've saved it in a highlights. And I just have to say, got a little emo at how well done that shit was. It was seamless, perfect. Everybody I was surrounded with was so happy and relieved to be there. The volunteers working at the vaccine site were incredible, very, very friendly, extremely informative. I was in and out in a record amount of time with every precaution and safety measure followed. If you qualify for the vaccine and you're able to get an appointment, and I know it's a shit show here in New York to get a slot, I was very fortunate to get one. Um, 
just, you know, the closer we get to vaccinating ourselves, the closer we get to the other side of this. And I just want to thank anybody out there in the AG universe who is a medical worker working in the, the medical healthcare industry, any volunteers who are volunteering to keep all of us safe, um, including at these vaccine sites. I cannot tell you how appreciated, uh, appreciative, <laughs> you can appreciate me too, how appreciative mm-hmm. I am for your efforts. And um, listen, it really, I'm, I'm feeling good, um, a sore arm. But again, I think that has something to do with Danielle. And um, and I uh, am looking forward. You're feeling Joe vaccinated. Wow. Do you love that? Love I had sorry to interrupt, but I had to do it because that I feel pretty good about that one. That's gonna be a hashtag on the mm-hmm. um no, that's gonna be the like quasi uh title of the episode on the social that will be posted for this. So thank you so much. Giving yeah, so welcome. many gifts to us and to the world, <laughs> sex in the city, sex unique podcast, your time here today, your energy always. And a wonderful uh, marketing opportunity that will be on some mugs that AGs can purchase in about eight years, which is kind of the timing on that. Guys, stay safe. Um, Stay whatever, sassy, whatever you feel like. Uh, Double mask if you can. Um, Triple subscribe to our pods. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.